0: podcast. We are so excited to bring you a series of special episodes after the release of the Matildas documentary, The World at Our Feet, over on Disney+. Plus. We've just watched it. It's so good. It's so awesome. And we're really, really excited because We know that when something like this comes out, you just want to talk to people about it. So we're really excited. Our next six episodes will be talking about each of the six episodes of the doco. So imagine it's like getting to jump on Twitter and talking with your mates about what you've just seen, except you get to talk with us. I mean, what more could you possibly want, to be honest? So this episode will be about episode one of the documentary. We absolutely cannot wait to crack into it. As always, though, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. My voice went. For today's episode, you've got me, Marissa Lodanik, Angela Christian-Wilkes, and Sam Lewis. So, let's talk about the first episode. First of all, it was like we get to watch a Matilda's documentary. That's so exciting. And can we talk about the fact that they opened this up with the vision of the announcement that we would be hosting the 2023 world cup, because I don't know about you guys, but basically instant goosebumps. I was like, I am in, I am committed. I am ready. I was, it was so nice to relive that moment once again, because it simply never gets old.
1: And we, we remember where we were, Exactly in that moment, right? Because it happened during lockdown and we were all on Zoom. I remember being at my mother's house and it was like, what, I think it was midnight or 1am in the morning or something because of the time zone situation. We were all, we deliberately decided that all of us were going to jump on Zoom and be part of this moment together because we all met each other at the Women's World Cup in France in 2019. This whole podcast spun off because of that tournament. And so we, we all decided to, to be in this moment together. And I remember so much the feeling of relief more than anything when we heard Australia and New Zealand come out of, out of the, the announcement. I, I burst into tears immediately. Everyone else on the Zoom started crying and screaming and clapping and running around it was so wild so opening this series with that moment and and the vision in that room and seeing all of the the matilda's jumping around and seeing all these people who we know it's yeah it was like it was it's the perfect way to start this i reckon
2: what was uh, yeah i was there too yeah <laughs> on on the zoom not in that room in the documentary um, <laughs> and i drank a bottle of passion pop anyway that's yeah the passion i pop. Uh, I'm such a so- sucker for like with documentaries though. Like, y- if you get the music going, I'm 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 there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, yeah. this is chilling. Even if it's not necessarily. But no, that was definitely a, a great moment to open with for this. Um, and yeah, I think the the kind of what I got out of the episode. It was mainly just kind of framing who the Matildas are, which if you're us, you kind of know that already. But there were still some really I I think cute or like interesting moments that um we we haven't been privy to previously. So it was good to watch along for that as well. Um I just wanted to note as well, just quickly, Sam Kerr wears an amazing horse shirt, like in her interview (laughs) snippets. I don't know if you guys saw that, but I want it. It's so good. (laughs) And I love it. It's like a, it's, it's a
1: variation on the on the wolves crying at the moon genre yeah. of shirt. I feel which yeah. I'm, I'm 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 on board with that too. I love it.
0: Sam Kerr, drop the t-shirt link. The people want to know. Um, but it was really funny, or not funny. Um, the the one thought that kind of kept coming back to me, not just through this episode but through the entire series, was, oh God, remember that. And this episode, obviously, <laughs> it was the USA games at the end of 2021, so November 2021. And it was like, oh, God, remember that? Remember starting Jess Nash and Courtney Nevin in the centre of defence against the oh USA? God. Oh, that, that was a choice. Twi- so I suppose, what was it like to almost relive this USA games? Because all four of us were at those games. We got to do our very first pod in person after those games. So, like, this was a prime time for the pod and just the most it was stressful it was hard it was weird it was just a moment in time in the history of the tillies and the pods. so what was it like reliving the usa series now knowing what we know
1: well that's the thing that i i love so much about this series is that like in hindsight everything makes sense like every decision that's been made it's it has a reason for it. And I remember being in that USA friendly series and seeing some of those decisions being made and being like, What is happening? Why is this happening? Nobody seems to be explaining it. Um, there doesn't really seem to be much of a coherent plan. And you know, Tony Guston has come out in the last couple of months and, and sort of said that he wished that in those earlier days that he had been clearer with his communication, that he had explained this stuff more 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 clearly to us so that we wouldn't perhaps um create the kinds of unrealistic expectations maybe that we ended up creating by virtue of not having his context or his insight um, so those usa games were yeah they were wild even though it was a you know the record crowd uh, in the first game um in sydney which was amazing and we saw the first sort of flashes of these young players who were coming through I, I spoke to Mary Fowler about this series a couple of days ago and Mary said that actually the USA series was probably one of the lowest points of the entire process under Tony so far because they they just, they really, really struggled. You know, even though the score lines weren't necessarily like a 7-0, like flogging to Spain, they were really, really outplayed for a, for a, a big chunk of those games. Um, and not necessarily even against the best American side either. This was a side with second-string players, with young players, with peripheral players, um, and they still managed to put on a, quite a serious performance against us twice. So, yeah, it was it was pretty wild. Um, and yeah, moving into that second game and the and the last-minute equaliser to Kai Simon. It's, I think it, it sets a really good, um, It's it, it sets the good scene, I think, for what the rest of this series goes on to explore and explain more than anything, um, starting off at a, a sort of a low ebb like this, but still capturing what is one of the biggest themes of this whole series, this sort of never-say-die attitude and what it is about the Matildas in terms of their energy and their connection and the stuff beneath the football that makes them so special. So I think almost in a way like starting with the USA series was the best way that they could have done it because it really was only, I mean, it was very up and down, but over the larger the larger term, it was pretty much only uphill from there.
2: Yeah. In parts it is
1: a little bit re-traumatising,
2: I have to say this taco series. So just go in knowing that, I suppose, if you're, you haven't watched yet. <laughs> um, I wanna to, I, and also I miss Kaya Simon. It made me miss Kaya Simon watching this. Um, yeah, yeah. I have a, I have a shocking memory for like remembering games and and score lines and and that kind of thing. I'll, I'll remember bits and pieces. So it it has been. It was, get good to go back there, and be like, oh, we're not there anymore. That's nice. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh but yeah, making me reflect because. We were sat behind the goal for that that first goal that the U.S. scored in that game, and it was just such a mm. ugh, moment, you know what I mean? Like, ugh, yeah. mm. anyway, it's fine, it's fine, we've moved on. <laughs>
1: But it did also give us the opportunity to relive that absolutely exquisite tackle from Claire Wheeler oh, that set up oh, the equaliser for Kazem. And the fact that it's slowed down as well, it's in slow motion and it's just got this beautiful, like, backing music. And I was just like, this is exactly what I saw when I watched that tackle unfolding. It was amazing. I'm so glad that that's in this.
0: I was like, that was ripped straight from your brain, like, soundtrack <laughs> and all. That is genuinely yes, how the totally. little people in your brain constructed that image um and honestly you know you missed kaya simon watching the claire wheeler tackle i had the same feeling then about claire wheeler i was like god i wish we've seen more of her because like we've obviously rated her very highly on the pod so that tackle was just another little moment of i hope i hope there is a place for her in tony's plans that's maybe a little bit more than what we've currently seen but that's not really the point at the moment. But going back to, I suppose, like the USA series, there was a line right at the start, um, I can't remember if it was Tony or someone else, but you know, we were talk and we've heard it all a lot about how this was meant to be like the hardest run that this program has ever gone through in terms of opposition, high ranking opposition, blah, blah 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 blah. And someone in this documentary said this schedule and the intensity of this schedule had the potential to damage as much as it did grow this program. And I'm like, oh, my God, did we dance that line between damaging confidence, damaging belief, all of that kind of stuff, and actually forcing growth out of it? It's nice now with hindsight to know that even though there was a little bit damage, it wasn't irreparable. But at the time, like we said, the USA games were like, ooh, we are not where we need to be. Um, and it definitely was a little bit traumatising, which leads us to the other re-traumatising bit of this episode, the oh. Asian Cup. Yep. Oh, god. Uh, there was so much joy to start the Asian Cup because obviously say what you want about blowouts and yada, yada, yada. The 18 nil win over Indonesia was fun. It was fun to watch, you know, Sam Kerr break the Australian international goal-scoring record. Um, it was fun to see that we could win because wins are nice. It was really fun to see the girls basically be nuffs in the change room and sing a team song that I didn't know <laughs> existed. So that was really yeah, yeah, fun. Yeah. Really enjoyed that. But obviously, um, as we all remember, the Asian Cup was not – An overall pleasant time for all of us. So what was it like reliving that trauma, which is basically the theme of this episode?
1: That was so, it was so hard, wasn't it? And it was also like a a little bit of a shock because we were in it. We we had the clip from the episode where we discussed the aftermath of the Asian Cup that was in this episode. But like every time that one of us would pop up saying something, I'd be like, oh God, like how... What, what, what sections of this, of the snippet are they going to use? Um, it was, it was really hard and it was, but it was also really interesting because at the time it felt so much worse than what it seems to be now. Like rewatching this episode, I was like the football that they played against South Korea actually wasn't bad. They played pretty good football and on any other day. Sam Kerr finishes that chance, well, the two chances really that she had, the basically open goal chances that were teed up for her. Literally any other day, she finishes it. And she says it herself in the episode, right? That had those goals gone in, none of this conversation would be happening. None of it. Um, and it's just one of those really fascinating moments where you see, it's a, like you see the sliding doors moment of these two trajectories just, like, ricocheting off each other and going in completely opposite directions. Um, and I also I think it's very worth mentioning that after Sam Kerr broke Tim Cahill's all-time goal-scoring record that she calls out Robbie Slater for writing an incredibly sexist piece of uh, journalism in News Corp, um, saying, I cannot believe in this day and age someone could write this and have young girls read it because Slater says that comparing Sam Kerr with Tim Cahill um, shouldn't happen because they're different athletes and they're incomparable and Tim Cahill should stand alone. It's Yeah, it's just also a nice reminder that, like, these players are engaged with the media. They read this stuff that we we write about them and that we say about them and that they have opinions. They have feelings. They are human beings who respond to these things in different ways. Um, So don't just sort of, like... Publish some drivel and expect that it's not going to affect anybody because it, it very clearly does. And, like, huge shout out to Sammy for calling it out because a lot of us were really fucking infuriated by that as well.
2: Yeah. And it's kind of kicked off on Twitter again, I guess, which is kind of funny. And mm. uh, Tom reminded me of a certain tweet that Craig Foster sent. Robbie Slater, do you get, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? No. Am I allowed to say it on the pod?
0: I'm getting no. it up right now. If you don't read it out, I will. So
2: Craig, okay. So I feel like it, it, it's in this, in the context of this, it, it's necessary to to repeat it, but there was Craig and Rob, they they don't get on. That's a thing. But one time I'm um, a Craig Foster tweeted at Robbie Slater, Rob, your thoughts are excretions. I long ago tired of your intellectual power movements, bit harsh, eminently constructive. I was like, yeah.
1: Anyway. Mic drop! What a sledge. Yeah. It's, yeah, legendary. And I, think this,
2: I think this applies here, but um, I think, yeah, at the same time, while that's a bit of a laugh, at the fact that this was put on the, the front page, I think that good on Sam Kerr for calling out the publication as well because there were editorial oh. choices made there um, as well. Uh, yeah, and I think the the Asian Cup footage was, it really conveys – how the players were feeling in that moment and the frustrations, and it um, uh, I think it was really it quite funnily summarized by Ellie Carpenter at the end when they knocked out, and she's like, "Fucking annoying, like it was it was fucking annoying, um <laughs> but at the same time, it wasn't the end of the world, and it, it is again nice to kind of look back on that moment because it felt yeah it that was probably one of the hardest time times I think us as a pod when we had to address something like this, we it was uh-huh. that crossroads of um reckoning with, you know, was Tony the right choice and all oh, that jazz and, and that kind of thing. So again at the other side of the tunnel, hopefully we don't have to like I think we're at the point where we don't have to um have that conversation again. You know what I mean? Regardless of what happens uh-huh. at the World Cup um, he's proven himself anyway.
1: Yeah. And it's also, I think the thing that is really the most illuminating for me in this part of the episode, because the Asian cup sort of like closes episode one and opens episode two is exactly what you said there, Angela, which is like the, the players were really deeply affected by this and especially Sam Kerr. Like she didn't really talk very much after that tournament. Like she said, yeah, no, it's, difficult because we wanted to win it and whatever like she said what she had to say but as we see at the end of this episode and heading into episode two she carries the guilt of this for a really long time longer than I think a lot of us really understood or appreciated and it's a real reminder that you know she's not just someone who wears the armband She is a leader of this team and she understands her responsibility as a leader of this team, particularly given her role on the field and what she needs to be doing in order to get results. And so if she isn't able to perform, she internalises so much of that. And you can be the most extraordinary athlete in the world, but sometimes you just don't have your day. And how do you deal with that mentally? That's what I think was the most insightful part of this whole episode is that even for someone like Sam Kerr who was literally the best striker in the world if she doesn't put a goal away she still beats herself up over it that's it's pretty amazing
0: that's what I think I really appreciated you know in this episode and then we obviously see it across the whole series that like we all know Sam Kerr we've all been following her long enough either at club level or with the Matildas that we know things about her blah 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 but getting to like see I suppose the silliness you know in the post-game song getting to see that devastation and how much she kind of carries the weight of responsibility not only as the captain but as the goal scorer like Mm. getting to see this side of her getting to see even just like the kind of um the fieriness and the fierceness like calling out Robbie Slater that's Mm. it's stuff that we haven't seen before and in a way it's just like there's going to be a lot of people who I think watch this and are just like Sam Kerr's even cooler than we previously thought because she's just like us she Mm. gets pissed off she calls out things when they're not right she is sometimes consumed by guilt and feelings like that I think it's something that's not to project but relatable for all of us so it's
1: <laughs> also it swears a lot which is something that i deeply relate to <laughs> incredibly, my on this book
0: incredibly relatable so i think there's going to be a real sense of just like everything you kind of knew and loved about sam kerr is only reinforced and maybe mm. revealed in a new way throughout this so that was really fun i really enjoyed that i think
2: Yeah, what you're saying, Marissa, is really interesting in terms of like being able to see those facets of Sam Kerr's personality and the timing of the documentary. I think it's coinciding where she's become a lot more managed um, and a little Mm -hmm. bit more inaccessible to the media. And I think that's all completely appropriate, especially watching this documentary, seeing how much like Sam Kerr's a people pleaser, wild. Like the fact that you kind of need to protect someone like her who has so Mm -hmm. much demanded of her Um, but yeah it kind of like those little moments hark back a little bit to like suck on that one and yeah just the things that we we got to see a little bit more um, when she was kind of on her ascendancy Um, so it is nice and I think if you're kind of a a newer Matildas fan hopefully that will um, that will be a new thing or maybe a little bit fresh Um, if you yeah weren't able to experience those moments First hand? Yeah.
0: That's that's all I had to say about that. Also, just, sorry, because I didn't get to say it. The Ruby Slater article. I cannot stress enough that this man's whole premise was, I just think it's rude that, you know, people are saying 54 is a bigger number than 50. Like, has anyone thought about how Tim Cahill feels that 54 <laughs> is a bigger number than 50? That's genuinely the premise of the article. <laughs> I can't, like... I, If he had written an article that said mm, Sam Kerr should have done better, I don't think anyone would have like maybe questioned that. But the whole point of his article was that it was disrespectful to Tim Cahill to acknowledge that Sam Kerr has objectively scored more goals for Australia than Tim Cahill has. And worth like mentioning, Tim Cahill doesn't think this. He congratulated Sam Kerr when she broke Tell that you. record because he's
1: a normal person.
0: And yes. a nice person, seemingly.
1: So, sorry, I was... And also just someone who understands maths.
0: <laughs> the chronology of numbers, not Robbie Slater's strong suit, apparently. So, I'm sorry, I had to get it off my chest because... No, I also remember, that, me at the time. No,
1: totally. And, Marissa, I remember, maybe it was a podcast episode or maybe I wrote something about it, but one of the lines that Robbie Slater said in that story was that, like, it's... You can't, um, you, like, you can't sort of compare the two like Tim Cahill's achievements are so much greater than what Sam Kerr's are and I was like hang on a second and I remember we had a conversation about it where I was like actually if you want to take the full context of this into account Sam Kerr overtaking Tim Cahill's goal scoring record coming from much further behind in terms of being a woman footballer in a women's game, which is so much less supported. She's had so fewer opportunities to play at international level. She's had so much less structural support. She's had to overcome so many more barriers to get to this point. So if you want to really take into the full picture of things in order to assess this particular number, actually Sam Kerr's achievements are probably greater than Tim Cahill's because she's had to do so much fucking more work to get there. (laughs)
0: You're right, here, here, <laughs> and on that angry note, we will be wrapping up <laughs> episode one. <laughs> um, like we said, we're going to release an episode for each of the documentary episodes to talk about the bits we love, the bits we found interesting, and everything in between. So remember, the series is "The Matildas: The World at Our Feet" on Disney Plus, exclusively streaming on Disney Plus. So make sure you watch and then come back here to have a little chat with us about episode two. There's a whole bunch of content, Sam's written some stuff for ABC, and as always between me and friends of the pod, Joey Lynch and Steph Brands, there's a whole bunch of stuff over on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. As always, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, Google, and all the usual pod spots. If you're listening to this as well, there will be dub content, we're right in the thicker final, so make sure you tune in for that. If you want to have a chat to us about the doco, about the dub, about the Tillies, we are at the Far Post pod on all social media. But until next time, see
2: ya.